The Riddle Scientists may soon solve the dengue fever puzzle, something sought since the disease appeared in 1954. Around 40% of the world population lives in areas at risk for dengue infections. The obvious solution, a vaccine, solves the problem, but a dengue fever vaccine comes with high stakes that rarely apply to vaccine developments. Get it wrong and vaccinated people who catch dengue again may be more likely to develop severe dengue, which kills 20% of cases. That should trouble Americans. Dengue has increasingly spread in the U.S. Yesterday, July 28, 2020, a Florida Health Department reported more locally spread cases. Some recent studies that looked at temperature and weather changes found several areas in the U.S. are now at risk for becoming home to dengue viruses over the next decade. Solving the vaccine riddle warrants celebration, but this struggle should serve as a critical cautionary tale that warns about the real-life consequences of shifting climates. It hints at what will determine who rises and who falls in a world that now sees three new infectious diseases each year. We saw 335 never-before-seen diseases appear between 1940 and 2004 alone. Outbreaks have crushed and shaped civilizations for thousands of years in a battle that has endured for humanity's entire existence. Americans must accept the reality staring them in the face and adapt or else go the way of the Romans. Dengue, four viruses and one disease. Dengue fever comes from not one but four viruses that we named with exceptional creativity, DENV1, DENV2, DENV3, and DENV4. An incomplete vaccine, one protecting against three or fewer of the four types, can increase a person's risk for severe symptoms and death if they catch dengue. Each year severe dengue afflicts 500,000 people, killing around 20%. Only once someone catches dengue naturally do they get the vaccine because, after infection with any of the dengue viruses, the risk for severe dengue from the remaining three rises. The reasons are complex but may simplify enough for a general understanding. How a second dengue infection becomes worse than the first. First someone catches a dengue virus, and their body makes antibodies against that specific virus. We will call this virus 1. The person recovers. Then, the same person catches a second dengue virus, a different one than the first infection. Now, the antibodies the person's body made against the first virus only stick to the second virus. The antibodies cannot neutralize the second virus in the way they could the first virus. The second virus uses the antibodies like a Trojan horse to enter a white blood cell that already wants to consume the antibodies. Once inside the human cell, the second virus quickly uses the cell to make many more viruses than the first virus. Virus 2 has an advantage over virus 1. Wearing an antibody like a disguise allows the second virus to commandeer cells and force them to make more viruses. This increases the viral load dramatically. The result is a more serious second infection, more likely to kill than the first infection. The possibility also means that the vaccine has little value for prevention. Only people infected by dengue once, 
meaning they could still catch the three other types, have risks that justify the vaccine benefits. People who have never had dengue before may end up worse if they catch the virus after vaccination if a virus type that the vaccine protects against poorly infects them. Thus, vaccinating someone who has recovered helps them reduce their chances of a second severe infection. The means beget the ends. The only licensed vaccine, Dengvaxia, covers all four viruses, but the protection against virus 1, 50% efficacy, and 2, 35% efficacy, are weak. MIT's Satellite Research Center reported a successfully provoking strong immunity against all four dengue viruses on July 27, 2020. The vaccine itself remains much the same, but the all-in-one formulation given in four doses, tetravalent, changed. Researchers dosed the mice sequentially. Each dose covered only one virus, DENV1, 2, 3, or 4, so the series still included four separate injections. Mice in both groups received four injections total, but mice whose vaccines went in sequence gained more protective immunity. Compared to the all-in-one vaccine given four times, the sequentially dosed mice showed the desired increases for DENV1 and DENV2. They successfully boosted immune response to the types 1 and 2, unlike the all-in-one formula. If the same results appear in humans, we may protect people from dengue before a first infection, something we've never done before. Giving the vaccine after a natural infection, as we do now, prevents a second more severe disease. Still, the best gift we can give to our children will always be never getting sick. We are one step closer to that goal. Not a moment too soon. This discovery comes as the Florida Health Department of Monroe County reports five recent cases. Lest a large-scale dengue epidemic seems improbable, consider that dengue exists in the flavivirus family, with close relatives that cause yellow fever, Zika, tick-borne encephalitis, and West Nile fever. Dengue also spreads through two of the same mosquito species as the Zika virus. West Nile seemed so unlikely to us in 2002 that many suspected it could be an intentional release. Now, it is just the norm. The same can happen again and not preparing for it will bring the same consequences that not preparing for a pandemic has. The cost of COVID-19 exceeds that of what it would have cost to prevent it by 500 times. Quote the pandemic gives an incentive to do something addressing concerns that are immediate and threatening to individuals, and that's what moves people. There are many people who might object to the United States fronting money, but it's in our own best interest. Nothing seems more prudent than to give ourselves time to deal with this pandemic before the next one comes. End quote by Les Kaufman, Professor of Biology, Boston University. The 2015 Ebola outbreak showed us that any new infectious disease may show up on our doorstep. Again, the coronavirus causing COVID-19 stressed this message. Seeming another world ago, HIV burst into public consciousness in the 1980s when a young Dr. Anthony Fauci saw deaths forming a pattern that looked like a new infectious disease. Out of luck and flush with denial. We enjoyed our moment in the sun spared the blight of widespread infectious disease.
Our luck has run out now, and we must accept our reality as it is and not as we wish it to be. A society unfamiliar with and unable to navigate a contagious disease would likely trouble the founding fathers of the United States. They weathered a yellow fever outbreak, and well knew the difficulty presented by infectious disease. It is precisely the reason they bestowed broad power upon the states to police the public's health. Society exists so that all may live a more comfortable life, have safety, and somewhere to make a living. We have become so consumerist that we have forgotten that society is not something we buy or own. It is a living network that gives when times are good and takes when times are bad. That is the deal we make with society. We can see the truth of this in a Supreme Court ruling from 1905 when it ruled against a man who objected to smallpox vaccination. Had they not ruled in favor of society, it the privilege of living without smallpox would not be ours today. The liberty secured by the Constitution of the United States to every person within its jurisdiction does not import an absolute right in each person to be, at all times and in all circumstances, wholly free from restraint. There are manifold restraints to which every person is necessarily subject for the common good. On any other basis, organized society could not exist with safety to its members. Jacobson v. Massachusetts, 197 U.S. 11, 1905. The rulings, consistent throughout, appear in the present, personal liberties are and always have been subject to society's interests. Judge C. M. Murray, April 30, 2020. For all our misgivings, few people go off the grid and eschew society. If you have lived in a community, taking as you make a living, enjoy the safety, and enjoy other specialties, then you have no exemption from giving in return. Those who have prospered the most have a duty to shoulder the most hardship. Regardless, give and take is the bargain we made. You cannot back out when the community, which has given for your entire existence, requires sacrifice. In times of plague and pestilence, society often asks much of its citizens. Only care for society, and one's neighbor, leads someone to act in ways that control the spread of disease. Those who came before us did not assume it would be the case that people would choose this on their own. Knowing that outbreaks threaten society likely motivated them to endow states with broad and far-reaching powers to police the public's health. Americ Amnesia The public has lost its memory of what it was to live with infectious diseases that robbed us of our children, our time, health, and wealth, has shown itself in falling rates of vaccination. When an outbreak made the threat real, the demand for the measles vaccine skyrocketed to 500% of the norm. The public's reaction to COVID-19, and possibly also the rejection of sound science, reflects our extraordinarily good fortune for a moment in history. We became like sheltered children whose parents spared them hardships such that they could not handle the trials of adulthood. Other countries with far fewer resources and less wealth have controlled COVID-19, and still, we make excuses. Liberia skillfully handled an Ebola outbreak using contact tracing, without tests, 
in a place without a formal mailing address system. The juxtaposition between our inability to control this virus and developing countries succeeding has not gone unnoticed by those who seek the power for themselves. People decry the inconvenience asked of them, the affront to our liberty. In that, we see precisely why we are losing worse than any other country. We no longer possess self-control, self-discipline, concern for others, or understanding of how a single person affects us all. We have forgotten that greatness comes from the unified strength of many. Instead, we look to solve problems with wealth and advanced military, but they are powerless in this fight. We have chosen a decline in our refusal to indict our failings and weaknesses. Former world powers have made similar mistakes. The leaders and dominant powers of the future world will rise, as they always have, from countries that adapted and embraced that which we cannot change. Evolution indiscriminately commands all life to change or perish. Nature has warned us that there will only be more outbreaks, the past warns us to be ready. American history from the Founding Fathers through today begs us to be humble and cautious. Finally, the Romans send us the most ominous message of all, that none are so great as to be above the threat of plague. We can fight this disease and control it, as nearly every other country has, or, we can refuse. The battle is happening regardless of if we want to play by the new rules. Choosing not to fight does not mean the contest will have no winner, it just means that the winner will not be us. Whether we observe the lessons from history and evidence before us, or we stand by as a virus lays waste to the American people, we will face the bitter truth, eventually. We have become the new redcoats. Unwilling to adapt to recent threats. Relying on our reputation and wealth. Words spoken by Louis Pasteur over 150 years ago reflect a truth that faces everyone foolish enough to forget it. Gentlemen, it is the microbes who will have the last word. The future world powers will come from those that successfully adapt to, embrace, and navigate the post-pandemic society. We got lucky with dengue, SARS-1, 2009 H1N1, Ebola, and so many other outbreaks contained. History, in all its anguish and broken-heartedness, warns of the grim fate that awaits those who forget that luck eventually runs dry.